Okay, welcome everyone to this episode of Breaking Absolutes. I'm thrilled today to have a conversation uh, with Daryl Pesh, who is um, really been a fixture in the metal scene for a very long time, doing it at a very high level. Um, as a reminder, our goal here is, this is not a, a typical radio style show. Our goal is to talk to artists who we feel are doing really important work in the music. And by that, I don't mean to make it high-minded. It, the point is, um, these are artists who are uh, creating music that um, we believe deserves a broader audience. They're doing interesting things. They're pushing themselves. They're important to, to rock and metal culture. And we hope to bring them, them and their music to more listeners. Um, and so Dora fits this idea perfectly. Let me tell you a little bit about her before we bring her on, just for those who, uh, if, even if you know her, may not be as aware of how full and celebrated her career is. Um, she's at least, she'll keep me honest when we bring her on, but at least 17 studio albums. Um, she began fronting the, the metal band Warlock. We'll talk to her a little bit about that. Um, that group began to get some success, several records there before she started to... Um, record and perform under her own name. Um, the, there's, there's a very, very important, um, I think, note to her career, which is that uh, she really forged the way for females in metal singing um, and has done this in a way that was professional as, as well as entertaining. And as a consequence of her work there, there is a, a litany of... Um, female vocalists who've come to the fore uh, and she's performed with some of them in duets and such but I think it's really important um, note to her career that in addition to the music she's served as a role model um, and a very very strong one um, not as a sort of a gimmick or uh, leaning in on on typical sort of promotional things that a record label might do and we'll talk to her a little bit about that but she's toured with the most important act metal acts of all time bands like Dio and Judas Priest and Megadeth um, she was the first one to, to do a drive-in concert during COVID, during COVID, which I think suggests a very forward-thinking um, woman in terms of bringing her art to people. She's very devoted to fans. She's made life decisions, thinking first about her music and her fandom, which I think is really remarkable. Um, she's been uh, nominated for five times for the German Echo Award, uh, 1994 Best National Female Artist, 13 times Best International Singer uh, by the uh, readers of Heavy Rock Magazine in Spain. Um, Flor Jansen, or Jansen, excuse me, who we've had on this program, said it was a huge honor um, uh, to, to uh, sing with her because she was a pioneer of female fronted, in a female-fronted scene. Um, so she has, Dora has the regard of her peers. Um, and... I mean, gosh, I could go on and on, um, but some of these things are things we want to ask her about. But I think you get my point. Um, the music is has mattered. The music has made an impact. So with that as my preamble, let me bring Doro on. Doro, welcome. Hey, welcome. Oh, man, thank you so much for having me, and thank you so much for these kind words. That is <laughs> so nice and makes me feel so good. And yeah, and it's all true, I guess, you know, what it you is. said. I'm yeah. doing it for such a long time. And yeah, and it's now 20 records. And, 20 records. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you know, it's, um, it's true. And, and I think what's remarkable about 
the kind of statistics and uh, awards that I mentioned is uh, it's it's a a career that has I think has just continued to get stronger, um, and that's not always the case. Sometimes uh, bands erupt onto the scene with a great single or a great record, and there isn't a lot a lot of follow up. Um, but your record, I mean, your career has taken some turns in that you've uh, experimented with some different things. But I think arguably you 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 command a larger audience and following now than you ever have. I think it's remarkable. Oh, yeah, oh, Peter, thank you so much. Yeah, because uh, when I started in the 80s, it was impossible, for example, to go and play uh, China or Russia. So, you know, now we have many, many more countries we can tour at and and everywhere there are metalheads. And that is so great. And even in Thailand, and I was one time doing a tour in Australia, and then we stopped over in Thailand. And I tell you, the metal scene there was crazy it was unbelievable and i didn't even know i didn't expect it so yeah so I'm, I'm doing it for yeah almost 40 years and i'm doing it full force every day every day like you know giving it 110 percent and um and and when i was like about three years old i made up my mind i want to become a singer and i want to dedicate my life to music and yeah and then i started my first band when i was 15 16. i had um, a few bands before warlock it was snake bite beast attack and then warlock and then i guess we were at the right time in the right place and then everything started and there was just the beginning in germany i'm yeah from germany <laughs> and uh yeah and in germany it was very small metal scene in the 80s but then it became huge and so in the beginning we toured actually more in other countries in england netherlands belgium and then we got our first record deal in belgium it was a tiny label it was called mausoleum and then first record came out and we were totally shocked and surprised that it did like you know so good and that people even knew about our little band and then yeah and then a few years later we toured with the yeah, judas priest that was my first big tour and it was unbelievable because I was a big Priest fan. And then, you know, when I heard we would be on tour with Priest, then I quit my job. I was a graphic artist before. And then we toured with Wasp in England and then with the legendary Ronnie James Dio. And then we took it from there and, you know, and toured with many other great people like Lemmy and Motorhead and Saxon, Megadeth and um, the Scorpions, Ach, almost everybody. And, um, yeah and yeah and i did it now every day i never took a vacation it's every day something is like you know like associated with music either rehearsal or playing or or recording or writing a song so yeah, yeah i never took a break and uh, and and time is flying i tell you i still remember when i was like 16 with my first band it feels like maybe a few years ago <laughs> well you have <laughs> yeah. a <clears throat> you have an inexhaustible energy. Uh, I watched some uh, other interviews with you in preparation for our conversation. I've seen uh, performance clips, um, you know, of you doing live shows, and you just you all you have to seem to have this well of of energy that is just inexhaustible. You, you I mean, you, you're such a work ethic, but also always seemingly so cheerful. Uh, is this just it, you, you know? Is this something that you were even as a kid? Just this exuberant? Uh, uh, I don't know, Peter. It, it depends uh, what kind of subject you want to talk about. Like when 
I want to talk about like music or the fans. Oh man, then I'm on fire. Uh. Anything else what maybe normal people would talk about, you know, I'm not like, you know, I, I don't know much about it. Like even my closest friends, we don't have a deep connection because when music is missing, then, you know, there's like nothing for me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm totally dedicated to the metalheads, to the fans and to the music. And then I'm totally on fire. Yeah. You can wake me up, you know, five o'clock in the morning. You know, I can hop on stage when I see, you know, there's, you know, some we are, I'm ready to rock anytime. And but it just it is. Yeah, because of yeah the magic of music everything else like yeah i i i like other things but music and the fans that's like that's my passion so that's why i can like you know like yeah, yeah have a lot of more energy and you know and, and i i love people i love people and you know and when i can make people happy then i i'm i'm happy you know it like it makes me feel good and um and I was uh, growing up in a truck, uh, even as a baby, my dad, he was a truck driver. And so I really learned the hard way that you have to be, you know, disciplined and that you have to work hard. And that actually helped me a lot because when I had my first dance, then I could drive everybody home. I was going to work. I was, you know, hopping on stage. It was like 24 hours, like, you know, no sleep the first couple of years. And um, yeah, and I, I was I was glad that, you know, I, I learned about it at, at an early age and, um, you know, and to never like, you know, give up to you know just like sit on the couch and stuff so I always like to do something and especially when times are not so good like last year with the COVID that was tough so so I tried out all kinds of things to keep it going to keep the band going to keep the contact with the fans and that's how we did like our first drive-in shows auto kino shows or this year we did some beach chair shows and it was hard work man I tell you it was hard. It was 10 times harder than doing a normal show where everybody's right there, which I'm so, you know, I, I love when people, when I can smell their sweat, you know, when they are sweating in my face, like when they are headbanging. And, you know, usually we sang in one microphone, which I guess these times are totally over. I'm, I'm sad about it, but I guess that's, you know, <laughs> we'll probably not go back to normal ever, I think. But, um, when you had like this auto kino or drive-in show or beach chair concert, people were so far away. So you had to really think of something to, you know, to get them excited and, you know, and then in the end, you know, I think everybody had just such a great time and I was so glad that we could do it. And, and it's always good practice, you know, and sometimes when it's getting harder, then, you know, you learn a lot from different situations, you know, you have to stretch a little bit and I think it's good. It's good for you. Yeah. And you've, you've done that in your career so and so let's jump into the um some of the specifics with um some of the records um what, a couple of quick questions though before we do that actually you um when you were very young you actually um had to overcome a bout of tuberculosis right? uh, yeah yeah it was lung tuberculosis and I, I almost died for one year i wasn't sure if i would survive and uh and then actually I really started praying and I thought, dear God, if I ever get out here alive, I will, I will do something with my life and I will make other people happy. And then I got out of the hospital after one year and two weeks later I had my first band and that oh, band wow. was. And I, I don't, I cannot even tell you how it happened. Somehow 
it, it, it happened. It all fell into place. And uh, yeah, and um, and we didn't even know that it was metal. We just did what we felt. It was always powerful, energetic, you know, like uh, soulful, but aggressive. And, you know, the whole spectrum of human nature. And yeah, and then I was in other bands and other bands. And then we, when we started Warlock in 82, then we really could feel, mm, you know, it's uh, the combination of people, the songs, everything was like, you know, felt really good. And yeah, and then, but we just did music because we loved it. We never thought, you know, like of a big career. It was just, we had so much fun and we were rehearsing every day, every day. And, and we had heavy rules. If somebody would uh, be late, you know, you would have to pay $50. And I was like, unbelievable, you know? And I was always late because I was working. I was the only one who was working and, you know, and um, yeah, it was tough. I, and, and I don't even know why we had to practice every day, but we did. But looking back at it, I think it's, it's good to always, do something you know yeah. like every day there's something to be said and yeah for sure and it, so it's 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 remarkable that coming off that illness uh and beating the illness and then launching into something with such energy i i, I mean maybe it kind of stands to reason that the even the idea of a band having rules like that I, it suggests to me real commitment um and you and you yeah. and 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 the the music that you create is is so energetic. It's it's kind of um, fun to see when you watch uh, your live shows and you see the fans. The, the fans are um, they're just filled with a kind of joy, um, and I think that you communicate that both in your stage presence, but also in the music that you write. And it's, I think it's part of your success. I mean, the, everything we're seeing in, in you right now that's just like this um this energy and this cheerfulness is what you communicate with your music and with your performances and i think i think people there's there are other kinds of metal that serve other kinds of emotional um interests but i love that your music just has is so joyfully exuberant i really do oh that's that that makes me so happy that makes me so happy yeah I think from day one, I felt like the fans and our band and me, we are one. We are allies and there was always a deep connection. And I don't even know, I cannot even explain why, but it is there. And then uh, in the beginning, of course, you know, it was like diehard metal and I was writing pretty, you know, like dark, mystical lyrics, but uh Many years later, I thought, man, you know, the world is in so, you know, like, like bad shape. I want to definitely give out more positive energy. And it's quite difficult because it's much easier to, to write like a destructive song. You know, for example, I was a big fan of Metallica. I still am. And I always love Kill Em All, you know, oh, that's great. But, you know, to have something positive, which still is like, you know, like not you know not cheesy not commercial yeah. which still is metal that is very difficult but then I thought man I want to try and I want to give out you know power and hope and you know and um and then by accident the song came out all we are which we had on our triumph and agony album that came out 87 the original and you know it was such a unifying lyric and you know and and yeah and 
when I sing it live, everybody feels like, wow, you know, like so empowered and, you know, and happy to sing along. And the best thing is when people have 10 beers, you know, and then they scream and, you know, they don't even sing the right lyrics and, you know, it's not like, you know, not in tune, but it sounds great to me. I love it. And, and then I know everybody can go home, you know, totally happy and relaxed and, you know, and, and um, so that was actually by accident that something so powerful and positive was like one of our first big singles. That was definitely, that was the one, that was the one, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's, it, in some ways to me, it's not surprising um, because I think it's part of your nature. And so I think that song was always going to come to the forefront and, and move people. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think you're, you're right. It's it's dead on. And um, and that was the first time that I felt totally free. Uh, we did uh, three records. Burning the Witches was the first one. Hellbound, the second one. True Steel, the third one. And then I could go to America for a little promotion tour. Uh, three days. And after two days, I knew I wanted to stay. I loved America. And I was in New York. And I thought, I, I got to stay. I got to stay. And then... And then everything, you know, was like, you know, like I, I met great people. I had a new manager. His name was Alex Grove and he was from Switzerland. So he could talk German and he was an American citizen. So that was perfect. And he was a psychologist. So that's great for the band, for me, for the road crew. And uh, yeah, and he introduced me to other great people. Joey Ballon, he was the producer of the Triumph and Agony album. And we were just hanging out, you know, he showed me all kinds of record stores, which were open 24 hours. Oh man, I was in heaven. It was <laughs> unbelievable. And we went, uh, you know, to see all the clubs and then, then we did a little jam session and and there we really thought wow you know we have great chemistry and everything started to really fall into place and, and then we went into a studio it was the power station studio the best studio at that time and uh and then we had a couple of songs and you know we could feel this could be a really good record and i totally felt supported and free before on our third album, I felt so much pressure. The record company was putting so much pressure on the band, like to have uh, like a big hit, to make it more commercial, to make it radio friendly. And for a metal band that worked, radio friendly is so like, you know, oh, we didn't like that at all. So Triumph and Agony, I felt really free. And when I was doing something, singing something, you know, screaming or, or singing something really different, everybody said, yeah, go for it, do it. And I, I said, really? Are you sure? Yes, you know, just go full out. And I thought, oh man, that's great. So, so you know, yeah, like freedom for a musician, that's the best, you know. I think the best can come out when you feel free and when you're just yourself. And um, yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. There, uh, there are plenty of examples of r metal bands, uh, even rock bands, um, who get pressure from the label. And it's yeah. very rare when that sort of oversight helps generate good music. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes I even had to take the consequences that I don't want to do certain things. Like there was one record which I love so much uh, that it's called Love Me in Black. And the title track is Love Me in Black. It's a great song. Many people love it. And uh, then somebody had this idea. They said, well, Doro, you have to totally change your style, you know, and when you want to name it, love me in black, then cut off all your hair and dye it black. And I uh. said, what are you 
fucking crazy. And I said, no, I will not do it. I will not do it. And I said, yeah, it needs to be more commercial and a new image. And I thought, no, no, hey, metalheads, they don't like a new image. It's not like the pop culture where it's yeah. uh, essential to always look different or, you know, have different fancy clothes on or a new haircut. So, um, and then, yeah, in the end, you know, they thought, okay, we can't release this record. And I thought, oh man, I worked three years on it. There was so much love and heart and soul in it. But after three years, yeah, I, I had to live with it. They didn't um, release it. And it was a very difficult time. It was like grunge was still big. So, you know, uh, it was, yeah, I definitely had like ups and downs. Like, you know, the whole career never went up. It, it was always like up and down and up and down and then you know and I thought okay I you know I will make the best out of every situation you know if you know if if the time and people record company everybody supports you great if not then I just do what I love and there were still enough fans there to uh, you know to yeah to to fill the clubs you know at least weren't many stadiums anymore but you know the sweaty nice dirty clubs oh i love just as much so so we could we could survive and yeah yeah, yeah that's uh I, I hate to hear those stories about uh record labels that that do that to artists but you did survive it um i have one one other quick uh and then I've, i want to get into some specifics on your on the albums but you are you i read that you're a trained kickboxer uh, actually, I, trained, I started, uh, started. I started doing Thai boxing. Okay. I loved it, Thai boxing. And then um, it was actually in a time. It was a '95 when, yeah, when touring was not so you know not not so big anymore because you know of grunge. Our you know gigs and festivals. It was pretty limited. And then I thought I got to do something you know to still you know stay strong. And then I started uh, Thai boxing, and uh, and then. I started uh, Bing Chun and, uh, and then I told my trainer I would love to have something in my hands. And he said, well, you know, uh, I, he said, just for you, let's do Eskrima. It's like Eskrima is something like, you know, you can do it with knives or like with bamboo sticks. And yeah, and I, I love doing it. But now in the COVID times, it was impossible to train. Yeah with other people. At first I started doing it by myself. I went into the woods, you know, and everybody thought, oh, this is, you know, what's that killer woman? But uh, yeah, but but now, you know, we're, yeah, we're starting to play life again. So, so I'm not doing it at the moment, but I love martial arts. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. big sucker for it. And yeah, all that's kinds cool. of tough sports I love and yeah. Yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool uh, side, side life for you. Um, let's talk, I wanted to ask you, we have a lot of musicians that follow the channel, uh, and I have a lot of vocalists on, so I'm always, and I'm a trained vocalist myself, so I have a particular, um, affinity for vocalists. And so I'm, I'm interested with your vocal development is, is, uh, how you came into your sound and your, the way you use your voice, something that you just, um, arrived at by, by practice and rehearsal and performance or did you do any sort of training to build your voice into what it is today? Oh, Peter, I, I tell you this funny story. I don't know if you heard it, you know, from other interviews, but 
I just started, I always had like, you know, I could always sing very loud. I know that, you know, and, uh, and like, and scream, you know, and, um, and, and I can always sing like 20 hours straight, the voice never will give up. So um, when I started having my first bands, then, you know, I was just doing what I felt. And, you know, and I guess naturally it came out pretty good, pretty powerful. And, um, and then when we did our first or second record, I did a couple of interviews and then many journalists, they were asking me, hey, where did you learn it? And are you a trained singer? And did you go to university? And I thought, no, man, I'm just singing what I feel. <laughs> and, uh, but after a while, I thought, man, you know, that really, it, it got on my nerves and everybody was asking me and I wasn't a trained singer. So I took vocal lessons and it was sinfully expensive. I took them for one, two years. And then after a little while, people were saying, hey, Doro, hey, what are you doing? You do something different. And I said, yeah, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what they were, you know, talking about. And then many more people said, hey, Doro, you sounded much better before. What are you doing? And I said, I'm taking vocal lessons, you know, to really learn how to sing. And they said, that totally sucks. I can't you sing like you sang before. And I thought, wow, man, now I blew all that money, like time, you know, like two years. Like, and then I thought, okay, you know, screw it. And then I gave up my vocal lessons. So I could tell you, yes, I took vocal lessons. I became a trained singer, but to me, it didn't, it didn't do anything. It didn't help. It just, I think it just was the opposite because yeah. it didn't sound natural. And the people I think they like the most when I, when I'm, you know, myself and when I just belt it out and just like, yeah, and sing, sing from my heart and soul and gut. And I think for rock and metal, I think that's the most important thing. For classical music, of course, I guess you have to be trained. And, yeah. But I think for rock and metal, and just go for it. Like, you know, do it like Bon Scott, you know, or Lemmy, just, you know. And uh, yeah. yeah, but that's that's that was my vocal training. But it didn't didn't do me any good, I think. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, you know, I just hop on stage. I don't even warm up. I just do it. And, you just do you it. Know. It's funny. I, uh, it, the conversations I've had vary a lot. But I'm finding many of the singers have not done any sort of training. They just uh, work, they just use their own voice and fi they find what works for their own voice. Um, yeah. So yeah, it yeah. doesn't surprise me that, um, that that's how you've cultivated this sound that's so distinctive for you. And it has this kind of power to it, this grit, um, you know, that, that of course, that's a, that's a familiar technique in, in rock music. Um, but you were doing that as a, as a female front woman before most were even in front of a band. I mean, so you, you blazed a trail, not just in, I think being a, a, a professional successful female metal singer, but also in the sound that you brought to it. Um, uh, so I, I'm sorry. Thanks for indulging me with the, the story because I, I love to hear about vocalist backstory. Um, Let's talk about some of the uh, some of the albums then. So um, the your first is it four albums were with Warlock or did you do release five with Warlock? Uh, no, four. Burning the Witches, Hellbound, True Steel, and Triumph and Agony, and then 
the fifth album that was supposed to be the force majeure and we were working on it. It was the follow-up of Triumph and Agony, which was really successful. And we are just, you know, putting out a live album of Triumph and Agony to celebrate 35 years of Triumph and Agony. But anyhow, it was the follow-up. And then um, I had like two managers, one in Germany, he was doing all the European stuff and one in America. And um, when we uh, got uh, Triumph and Agony released, then in Europe, we hopped on tour with the beloved legendary Ronnie James Dio. And it was like, awesome, man, it was so, it was so great. And yeah, and then one time my American manager, he said, well, I got to talk to you. And I said, okay, what is it? I, I hate when people say, I got to talk to you. Yeah. And I already like, oh, you know, felt sick to my stomach. And I said, okay, what is it? He said, well, the European manager left. And I thought, left? And I, 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 I couldn't understand because it was just, we were just on the verge to become a little bit successful. Everything was going well, you know, great tour. It was like, you know, the MTV was playing the videos in and out. It was unbelievable. And the time was so great. 87 when yeah. metal was so big. So the German guy left and uh, we never talked about it. And he left to, uh, he went to Turkey. And back then you couldn't find anybody in Turkey. There was no internet, no cell phone. He just left. We never talked about it. And I was really sad because I liked him a lot. He was a great friend of ours, but he was the merchandiser as well. And, uh, and while we were on tour, our parents, they got some phone calls from some fans who were helping the manager packing all the t-shirts and many, many more people, they, they said, hey, there's something going on. There's something fishy going on. We should check into it. But when you're on tour, you know, as a musician, you just care, you know, about the concert, the fans. And I thought, wow, man, I mean, what do I know? You know, I, I said, I have to, I have to put on a great show. And, and then, and the business end was always like not important to me anyhow. So I thought it will be all okay. But when the guy left a little while later, he claimed that he has the rights to the name Warlock mm. because he wanted to sell these T-shirts, you know, which were like, you know, it was uh, it was a lot of money in, in, it, in the 80s. Oh, my God. And um, and then we thought, OK, we will go to court. We will sort it out. And uh, that was my first time that I was in court and I started yelling and screaming and then they removed me. And I thought, I, I can't believe it because, you know, um, you know, I, I was so upset and I, I couldn't believe that the manager would claim it's his name. And he came there in a white suit, you know, he looked all like, you know, like uh, he looked all very conservative and. And our guys in the band, we all looked like metalheads. And the judge, he was pretty conservative too. And so he could use the name and we couldn't use the name anymore. And that was the reason why the next record after the Triumph and Agony album was uh, called Doro. I never planned on doing a solo career ever. I, I, I it never even crossed my mind. And yeah, and then I thought, okay, let's do it one time. And then the next time, like two years later, we will use Warlock again because we will get uh, the name back. But it took 20 years. And now I had to wait 20 years to get the rights to the name Warlock back. And I tell you, that was a long time. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, it, it is strange to me because my notes show that that, that Triumph and Agony record, it went gold it hit, and it hit the billboard yeah. charts in the U.S. So it seems a strange time to 
remove yourself from what was a, a growing successful group. Yes. Yeah, I guess, you know, I must say in the 80s and 90s, um, you know, business was like, it was really music business and, you know, it was big and, you know, the big record companies, there was, there was so much money in it. So I think the guy, which we always thought he's cool, he's our friend, I really liked him a lot. I think it got to him. I think, you know, he got in touch with other people who were like a little bit shady, you know, and um, yeah, and I think, yeah. you know, it, uh, it, it ruined him and it ruined us too. But uh, yeah, like, I guess money is a strange thing. And, uh, and since, you know, I, I was never interested in it. I was only interested in the music and the fans going on tour, doing a great record. But uh, when other people suddenly, you know, smell a little bit of success, then, you know, maybe, you know, I think he, he went uh, crazy, but, but he's not, not alive anymore. He got killed. I heard, I heard uh -oh. from him guy in a magazine he called me up and he said hey you know that your former manager got killed in turkey and i saw really and i saw oh, okay I, I wonder why you know yeah so yeah, but uh, i don't know if it's true you know yeah yeah well but I know, I know he's not anymore with us and yeah and i i feel kind of I feel kind of bad that we never talked about it. And, you know, I always like to resolve things, but, you know, but that was tough, like, oh man. Oh. And I love the name Warlock and everything about it. And, you know, and, and the witch, like the male witch, there was such a symbol. I think, you know, it was, you know, almost as nice as the Eddie of Iron Maiden. So that was our thing and, you know, and it was real metal. So, um, yeah. yeah, but I tried to find a way to continue and, well, you did, I, you know, it's, uh, and you've built such equity in, um, just to use kind of a business term, in Doro as a brand. You know, you know, when you hear that, what you're going to get, um, you're going to get quality music, you're going to get uh, a, a world-class uh, tour, stage performance. Um, so that, I mean, that, and, and I think people knew, like, you were the linchpin. You were the linchpin, obviously, everybody's important, but the thing that sort of drove things forward was you before and after the change. Um, I wanted to ask you in not too long after you began um, under the Doro moniker, you did a record that is self-titled where you had Gene Simmons produce. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, did, God. did you just have his number? Like, <laughs> how did you get in touch with Gene Simmons to do this? Yeah, actually, um, I was a big Kiss fan growing up and, you know, I, I still am. And uh, and one time I got a phone call. I was in L.A. doing something and a promoter of the Monsters of Rock Festival called me and he said, Doro, Kiss is playing. Would you like to introduce Kiss on stage? And I thought, oh, yes, you know. And uh, so I flew back to it was in Germany. Actually, I've, I played Monsters of Rock in 86. That was our biggest festival and you know and it was a door opener we did one in england castle donington and two in germany and then everything else fell into place then the judas priest tour and i could go to america the first american record release and so i knew monsters of rock there was something really important so i said yes you know so i went uh, to i flew back to germany and then I uh, I was talking to the promoter and he told me what I should say, you know, and I was I was nervous because you know meeting my heroes and and then I was in this catering tent, it was quite dark and then I was talking and talking 
and then I heard somebody singing "Oh We Are," like, and then I turned around, you know, and like "Oh We Are," and I, and I didn't see anybody, and then I was talking again, and then again "Oh We Are," and and then Gene Simmons came out of the stand, you know, and. And, you know, he said, hi, I'm Gene Simmons. And I said, wow, you know, I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm honored to introduce you guys tonight. And, you know, I'm a big Kiss fan and, and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, and then I introduced them and I watched uh, the show and I, it was awesome. It was awesome. So a couple of months later or one year later, I talked to my manager. I was living in Manhattan. And uh, my manager, his name was Alex. And I said, Alex, you know what? My dad and Gene Simmons, they almost have uh, on the same day, it's the same uh, day, the birthday. I would like to write Gene Simmons a birthday card. And, and my manager said, are you crazy? I mean, you know, he has no time for that. And then I said, yeah, I was just thinking to be nice and stuff or maybe doing something together. Maybe we could do a song together or maybe I could cover a kiss song. And Alex said, just drop it drop it you know that's that's a childish idea just you know and I thought okay okay so a couple of weeks later my phone rang early in the morning and usually I go to bed early in the morning so it was very you know odd that the phone was ringing and Alex was on the phone he said get out of bed you know meet me at the Parker Meridian Hotel, it's like 57th, 58th Street in Manhattan right now. And I said, right now? I said, why? He said, well, there's a surprise. And I thought, oh, okay, what is it? He said, no, I can't tell you. You know, you just got to get up and, you know, get here. Okay. So I didn't take a shower. I didn't put on my makeup. And you know how girls are, you know, you need a little color, especially early in the morning. So I went to the hotel. And then Alex was uh, waiting for me in front of the hotel. And I said, okay, Alex, now tell me, who is it? And I thought maybe some German friends or fans or family or whatever. And he said, Gene Simmons. I said, what are you crazy? You didn't tell me Gene Simmons is waiting there for me. He said, yes, yes, you have a meeting with Gene Simmons and you guys can talk about your next album. And I thought, oh my God. And I had to walk three times around the block because I was so nervous. My knees were shaking. And then after three times, Alex said, okay, now you got to be ready. And we walked in and Gene Simmons was sitting there. It was in the hotel lobby. And he said, hey, Dora, I heard you are working on a new album. Or are you thinking about it? And I said, yeah. And then he said, well, what, what do you want to do? What kind of ideas? What kind of sound? And he wrote everything down. And I was not used to having anybody like really listening. Usually people listen a little bit and I said, yeah, yeah, you know, let her talk. And he was writing down every single word and taking like taking a really serious. And I thought, wow, man, that, that's unbelievable. So he said, you know what, Dora, we, we can try, you know, we can try it out. And if nothing comes out and, you know, we just had a good time, nobody will know about it. And then we tried it out and we started in New York and then we recorded uh, the whole record in LA, in the Fortress studio. There was the studio where Kiss uh, recorded Hut in the Shade with a great engineer, Pat Reagan was his name. And Tommy Thayer, he was the co-producer and he played many guitar licks and solos. And yeah, and so we That's recorded cool. and, and produced the whole record and wrote many songs on it. And I did one cover version of Kiss, It Was Only You. It's in the song of the elder album i loved it so much and and you wrote many great songs something wicked this way comes and oh, you know i was in heaven for one year i was in heaven and 
but I could never get over it. Like, you know, every day I went to the studio, I was like, my heart was racing. I was like, oh man, I can't, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. It's like, it's different, you know, when you see your idol and, you know, yeah. even, you know, and you always have this childlike thing, like, you know, when I was 10, 11, I was a big Kiss fan. And when I was in the studio, I felt I was 10, 11. And, you know, it was like, it was great. But yeah, he was very kind, very nice, very caring. And yeah, that's and a, I learned a lot from Gene. <laughs> that's a very cool moment in your career, for sure. Um, there's some other really uh, cool notes I want to make um, here. We don't have to talk about everything because we've got a lot to get to and I want to respect your time. But as an example, with the Angels Never Die record, um, you the Bad Blood song was voted best anti-racism video by the MTV European Music Awards. Um, yeah. And I find like these these sparklers exist throughout your career. They, they these moments of of um, of recognition for for work you've done. Um, they just keep keep accruing to uh, you know to your success in the industry. Um, you headlined uh, Vakan in 1993, um, which like all by itself is is amazing for any group. Um, oh, oh, we we had lined, I think five six times. I know, uh, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah but wasn't that the first one? Bio, it was like it was the first time, and oh god, and 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 ever since I was there almost every year. Like, and then you've you've since um, written anthems for the festival. Did I read that correctly? Yes. Yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. many times. Yeah. yeah. Totally, totally. I, yeah, I, I love writing anthems. Uh, ever, I guess, since all we are, I love anthems. And I uh, I wrote many anthems for Wacken, for other festivals. There was one festival, it was the Female Metal Voices Festival. Yeah. And that song was called Strong and Proud. And, uh, and I have a great friend. She was a 13 years boxing champion. Her name is Regina Halmisch. And she's, she's a great tough girl and uh one time we met and you know and she said hey oh could you could you write an anthem for me to walk in and i thought oh yes so i wrote five anthems for her and she always won and i was so uh, glad cool. because i always felt like oh man if she's not winning i'm responsible you know because <laughs> i didn't set the atmosphere right but she was always winning and we're still great friends and uh she's she's a power woman and uh, yeah, I, I gonna, love her so much i was gonna ask you about that so i'm glad you told us the story the um, one interesting sideline um you also do have done a little bit of acting um because i yeah, have a note yeah. here for for a soap <laughs> opera in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that was, that was the soap opera, but I did uh, three movies, yeah. actually four movies, and there were real movies. Uh, the soap opera, it was just, it was, it, it was a funny thing, but the movies, uh, the guy, he is a uh, great, like a free spirit, crazy, but you know, like very creative. His name is uh, Luke Gasser, and he asked me one time if I want to uh, write some music for his movie it was called Anuk the Path of the Warrior and Anna said oh I would love it and uh, and then we were like actually we kind of like uh, immediately hit it off and you know became friends and then he said Doro would you like to act in my movie as well and he said you can pick uh, the character you want to play and there was one girl her name is Meha and she's a real warrior 
And, you know, and I said, look, I would like to play the part of Meha. And he said, yeah, that's the main, you know, character. Let's do it. And then we did uh, three movies. And um, yeah, and we wrote all the music and the music score and the title tracks. And that was awesome. That was great. And um, it's like, yeah, and I felt even like that character. I learned so much from that character. It was great. And and there were many fighting scenes and I had to um I had to learn how to how to do certain things. It was great. And uh yeah, and he produced one of my records as well. That was Warrior Soul, because we had great songs, but somehow, I don't know, sometimes you know, you start somewhere and then maybe you can't finish it in a good way and then he said hey doro you know you know what just take all your songs we redo everything and we did and it came out wonderful and that's uh, the warrior that's soul cool. album that's, that's cool is the is the fourth film that you're talking about the soaring highs and brutal lows the voices of women in metal or is it a different fourth film oh i think that's a different film okay. i thought there were so many films yeah i I tell you, yeah, sometimes, yeah, there, there's so many movies, yeah, yeah, I just like, yeah, yeah, that's a cool, that's yeah, a cool yeah that's, that's another one, yeah, yeah, but that was actually more a documentary, right. and, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, well, I think it's really cool, it shows some diversity in your, um, in your artistic life, but there was a, there were, uh, I, I read some notes that talked about a time a difficult time i think it was in the 90s and you you said you were yeah. even doing some some pickup jobs do, you know, doing weddings and private parties just to kind of get through oh really oh, oh oh peter i think i never did did that i don't know <laughs> maybe somebody wrote it but i think i never did okay we need to we need to <laughs> fix your um some of your bio, bio stuff yeah. Um, yeah, even sometimes in Wikipedia, they you know sometimes people write crazy, crazy things stuff. and yeah. yeah, but it's not true. I was never married and I don't have kids and <laughs> and, and you know like it's like yeah no I I never I sang for immer at some people's weddings like uh, the first German song we did for the Triumph and Agony album I did you know but just for friends or like in Wacken or biker weddings but uh but in the 90s no i, I never picked up another job than than, than you, doing what i'm doing now you, you said that uh, early on you were able to sort of stop doing the graphic design so that even though that's an maybe an interest that's not something you still do yeah i i, I still love like you know doing the whole album cover or the logos and i work close with the guy who's painting everything oh, or our graphic artist yeah i still love doing it i love the visual stuff i think it's all one like the music and you know the usually i, I still love vinyl like you know the album cover sure. and you know yeah. the booklet um yeah, yeah, and we are always doing it together. Yeah, that's a. I mean, you know, that's a very complimentary skill because your your album covers are always very evocative. You do a good job with those for yeah. sure. Thank you, thank you. We have a great painter too. I'm not painting myself. Uh, the guy, his name is Jeffrey Gillespie, and oh, he's awesome. And, and and he did the first time that was that that, that one. That's like that 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 iconic yeah. thing. That's the original trampling. It's not a record. It's like a it's an acrylic mat for your record player. But that was the first time he did our album cover. And ever since, you know, I, I love his work. And, uh, and 
and this new Triumph and Agony live album, we did actually the combination. And um, I might have it handy here. So yeah, let's see. Well, let's see. That's oh, the album that's... cover for the Triumph and Agony live. And it's between like, you know, um, the live photos and of course this kind of iconic thing. And, yeah. and it's the biggest album cover in the world again. We had one time in 87, it was in the Guinness Book of World Records was the biggest one. Oh, and wow. now we did it twice as big. And there's a marbled vinyl in the back. So, and you know, all kinds of old school stuff. I uh, uh, started my own label to do all kinds of like, you know, special things, like yeah. special, you know. Special merchandise. Yeah. Yes, and like for the collectors and for the vinyl lovers. And there's even a cassette and, you know. Oh, wow, really? That's and, cool. Yeah, there's a cassette that's like, it's, uh, we have many box sets, so that's the cassette. And I think it's so cute. I yeah. actually bought a new record, uh, a new cassette player. Like last week, I bought a new one. And just for kicks, you know, just for, yeah. And, and there's another, there's the figurine. I'll show you that. Man, I showed you pretty much everything. Oh, wow. Like, you know, it's that's the warlord. Awesome. Yeah. And like, yeah. So cool. <laughs> You know, Adrian Vandenberg, he always, you know, like we always, you know, like like check our Instagram and then he said, is he me touring you? I said, no, 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 no chance, no chance. But back then, you know, nobody even thought about it. And, you know, but what I thought it was, it was pretty nice. And, yeah. yeah. And the warlock, there was, yeah, this, yeah, this evil, you know. Yeah, that's. Male witch, you know. Is, are these, um, we'll, we'll include a link. Where, where are all of these things to be found? Is it just on your personal website? Ah, uh, Peter, I guess you can buy it all over. It's coming out 24th of September. So I guess, you know, every record store, I hope, will have it or I mean Amazon. The, I, I the, mean, the, the, the special merchandise you were showing. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's all in the box set. It's like, you know, there's special box sets. Oh, okay. And like, you know, it's like special, oh, special things. Like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the vinyl, yeah, like special box sets as well and so yeah so so like really old school there's patches in it for your battle vest and stickers and buttons and but the figurine you know like since i love the kiss figurines i had to have my own I figurine one so <laughs> and the warlock you know makes like you know it's well uh, the the metal queen should have that that's a moniker that you were given like 20 years ago or so uh, and that's that's it's one that's very uh apropos i think i think you you're a, a, the perfect exam uh, ambassador of of the music so thank you I know Peter, thank you so much and i like that you say 20 years ago it's almost like yeah you know when i told you yeah the original came out in 87 so we're celebrating 35th anniversary of triumph and agony soon so yeah 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 now yeah. um so the the new record is, is you I saw this, but is the release date later this month? Yeah, 24th, 24th, 24th of September. And yeah, and I can't wait. And yeah, and I didn't see the vinyl edition yet, but uh, somebody will give it to me tomorrow. And then we are going to England to play another festival. And yeah, so yeah, this will be good. This will be good. And yeah, nothing can make me more happy than, you know, when you when you have your record in your hands and when everything, you know, worked out great, when you're happy with it, you know, the cover, the sound, the songs. Oh, that's, that's for me like, 
it's Christmas and New Year's Eve and everything all <laughs> together, you know, and birthday. And yeah, that's like, I live for that because I know it, it, it will mean so much to, to other people, to the fans. They will probably, you know, love it. And, and that, that's like, you know, what I... What I like the most, you know, when other people love it. But I love it too. Like, usually it goes vice versa. When I'm on fire for something or a song or an idea or an album cover, whatever, then I can feel, yes, I can, you know, yeah. I, I can let other people check it out. And usually they feel the same. And, of course, it has to be the same taste. Not everybody likes, you know, what we do or, you know, likes different kind of music. But... But like the diehard fans, I I know I know what okay. what I can offer them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know the um, the enthusiasm with which you approach the music in your career uh, is contagious um, for the fans for sure, but also for you know other musicians. You're you're very celebrated for um, your collaborative efforts. You do these duets, um, and there's my gosh, there's a whole page so long I couldn't even read them all yeah. of how many duets you've done, but you've worked with um, even on uh, uh, when you did your 25th, 25th anniversary, you had um, guys like Bobby Ellsworth and um, Klaus Mound and R Rudolf Schenker and uh, Tara Turner and, and Warl Dane. I mean, or Jansen, uh, Jansen, it goes on and on. And this, this typifies like this, um, this mutual reciprocity that I've seen in your career where you're having artists guest with you on, on songs and um, in, in performance. And in turn, they're asking you to do the same. I think it's really like, it was this, it, did this just kind of co come up as an idea that you should start doing this? Were you asked, how did this whole idea of collaboration come into your career? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I tell you like the first time I did a duet was like with, with Lemmy and actually we did two songs on my calling the wild album and it came about because um yeah uh, one time i uh, i was uh, going through my record collection and then i saw the motorhead album was vinyl and i i took it out and i saw a photo of lemmy and me in the motorhead record and i thought wow and it was a picture it was from 1986 when we did monsters of rock festival in england in castle donington and motorhead played there as well it was ozzy osbourne scorpions bon jovi motorhead warlock and um and in germany it was michael Schenker. but england uh, was motorhead and i remember i was so nervous because we didn't even know there was such a huge festival. I thought maybe three, four, five thousand people. So we went to the location and it was like 80,000 people there. And oh, that was yeah. the first time that we played this huge festival. And Lemmy saw me and Lemmy said, hey, are you nervous? And I said, oh, a little bit. He said, you don't have to. And then he gave me a little kiss on my on my head. And, you know, and gave me a hug. And that's the picture. Somebody took a picture of that. And he said, okay, now knock him dead. And I went on stage and I felt like a million bucks. And I saw this picture in this uh, album uh, sleeve. And, you know, I thought, wow, maybe I write a letter to Lemmy. And, uh, and it happened to be that we were label mates. I just uh, was an artist on SPV Records. It was in... 2000 and and uh, motorhead was on spv as well so i wrote a letter to the management i cut out the li a little 
photo and I put it in. I said, hey, let me, you know, it's the German girl. Maybe you remember me and stuff. And, you know, and then I said, well, I'm ready to do a new record. And if you are interested doing something together, just like, you know, let me know. And, you know, and then, but all the best. And, you know, and I love you. I love your music and so on, so on. So I sent the letter to the management and I never expected that I would get an answer. I almost forgot about it. And I thought, well, but I was happy that I could, you know, like show my appreciation. And yeah, and then, and then it was tough times. Uh, I had a, a great dad. Um, dad was a truck driver we were a great team and you know and he loved music so I guess you know I have it you know because of, of him that that I love music so much too so my dad he was very very sick like super sick and it was uh, totally difficult and uh, and one day he died and I was totally shocked even though he he was like ill but I never thought that he would die so I was totally devastated I thought man I, I I'm gonna kill myself I can't take it and then the next day I went somewhere with my mom and we were in like the store and she had to you know buy something you know like, like for the funeral and and then the phone rang and you know and it was pretty loud and my mom said hey pick up the phone and I said no I don't want to talk to anybody you know <laughs> I don't want to hear from anybody and she said please pick up the phone because she was embarrassed that everybody was looking at us so I checked my phone and it was an LA number and I thought oh okay and then I picked up the phone and it was Lemmy and Lemmy said hey Doro I got your letter and let's do something together yes and I said Lemmy I'm so I'm so devastated my dad just passed away yesterday and I don't want to do anything anymore and you know I don't even know how to go on he said you gotta come here to LA uh, uh, fly to LA and we do something and I said I don't know he said well say yes yeah to make a long story short so uh, let me said on the phone hey Doro please you know like fly to LA and we do something and I said okay so a couple of weeks later I you know I did take the flight to LA and, and then Lemmy came to my hotel room and he said, Dora, I have a song, you know, I would like you to, to listen to it. And he played me a song and it was called Alone Again. And he sang it and played it on the acoustic guitar. And I tell you, it moved me to tears. It was so soulful, you know, it was like, wow, you know. And I thought, Lemmy, I love it. I would love to sing it. He said, really? And I said, yes. So that was our first duet. And, and then we had so much fun together and let me, he never wanted to sleep, never. When we stopped like in, you know, our studio, Bob Kulik, he produced it and he was in his studio and he's not anymore with us. He was a great, phenomenal guy, guitar player, unbelievable. But uh, yeah, sometimes, you know, we finished our session at four o'clock in the morning. And then I said, let me, shall I drive you home now? He said, no, no, I don't want to go home. He said, just drive. And then I said, where shall I drive? He said, just drive. So we were driving all night for two weeks. I never really like slept more than one hour. And then sometimes we drove all night, went straight back into the studio. And, and we had a lot of fun, a lot of great, you know, talks. And oh, it was awesome. And yeah, and then we did another song that was Love Me Forever. I love this Morad song from the album 1916. And then, yeah, I had my first duets ever and it just and, and I didn't plan on that but ever since you know I thought man it's so much it, it is so much magic to work 
with other great people and you know and then I did so many duets and you know and and sometimes people were asking me if I want to sing on their song and album yeah. and I did and the last one was actually my duet with Johann Heck of Amona Mars and uh, we actually played in um, in Wacken and I we played our show and then I watched their show and then I thought wow you know and then I I told my tour manager the guy who just called I said Hans I, I would love to do something with Amona Math he said I, I think that could be something really interesting yeah and then a couple of months later I didn't think about anything anymore and then I got an email of the band Amona Math and I said hey Doro would you like to sing a duet with us you know we have this record in the making there was a young Viking and I thought, oh man, they obviously felt the same, you know, that we had good chemistry. Yeah, and then I sang on their album. And then I asked Johan if he would sing on my album. There was the last one, Forever Warriors, Forever United. And we did kind of like a really passionate, you know, dark love story. And uh, the song was in, on Yom's Viking, it was called A Dream That Cannot Be. And on my record, it was If I Can't Have You, No One Will. And wow. we wrote it all together, Johan and my guitar player, Tommy Bowen and me. And it's like, you know, it's like a kind of edgy, you know, yeah, love story, like, you know, a little, a little dark, you know, but, yeah. but cool, and very, you know, aggressive, like, you know. Well, and just, just to punctuate that, um, a few, uh, if, there's a, there's a Wikipedia page that is literally de devoted just to your discography that is just enormously long and includes a bunch of these, but just, I want to give a few um, it, it enumerates um, uh, features either on your record or on other artists uh, with Dio, Blaze Bailey, wow. um, Lemmy, Twisted Sister, Ministry, After Forever, um, uh, Tara, um, oh my gosh, Klaus Mine and Rudolf Schenker, uh, uh, Big City Nights, and, uh, in, the, in your 25-year rock still going strong, Warrell Dane that we mentioned before, um, Motorhead, of course, Uli John Roth, Angra, which is a favorite band of mine. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I love, I love those guys. Um, I think Fabio Leone's got a, an amazing voice. But the, the, this just kind of um, helps to show, like, this sort of mutual respect inside, uh, inside the, the, the ranks of, of the musicians that I think is not only fun to do and great for the fans, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a nod um, uh, of, you know, Respect, uh, and so I, I like to share those. I wanted to just make the quick mention, if folks hadn't seen it, some years ago, Metal Hammer gave you the Golden God Legend Award, which just is uh, another accolade that is suggestive of, of you know, the, how meaningful your career has been. Um, and uh, the, the, I mean, the last thing I wanted to, to say, and then I've just got uh, two parting questions, uh, is something I said up front, but I think it's um, it's 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 a beautiful and powerful thing, Doro, to um, be able to look at a career like yours, um, and not even not even invoke necessarily that you're a female artist. The the what you've done has mattered to to metal uh, music fans and culture. Um, the music you've contributed is you know it's it's just filled with such a a, a vibrance. I think, and it's so much fun to watch. I, I've never been to Vakken, but I'm, I'm going to go someday, and I look forward to seeing you on that stage. Yeah, yeah, um, oh, yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta go to Vakken. Yeah, go to Vakken someday. 
you. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's it's all of that is made just that much more impressive by the fact that you were you were blazing a trail that many other um, great great female singers have followed, and they've they've noted that that you were a primary source of inspiration for them. So I think all of that speaks very highly of you. Um, uh, Thank you so much, Peter. That's that's too much. You know, I'm just doing <laughs> what I love. I know, know a, I know, you know, and I. You are you are um, beautifully humbly about about it and and focused in the right way. You're focused on the music and the thing that you love to do. Uh, but this is the kind of stuff that a guy like me can observe and and say to people. And that's why I like to take the chance to do it. That's um, good. And I just wanted to add, I, I had the great chance to work with Udo Dirk Schneider and Pete Steele as well. Oh, yeah. You know, Pete Steele, that was another like great duet and on our album Fight and the song was called Descent. And oh man, I love every every breath, you know, he was like, wow, you know, it was so it was it was great. It's a great song, and you know, it's like wow, you know, so so I just wanted to add it yeah. on like there were other great people, but uh, definitely Pete Steele that was uh, that was one. pretty outstanding. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he was the tallest man I've ever seen in my life. You know, yeah. oh my God, yeah, 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 yeah. But very sweet, oh, super, super nice, super kind, total gentleman, and you know, very, very soulful as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so after the the, give me the name of the record that's coming out on the twenty fourth again. Uh, yeah, that's Triumph and Agony Life. That's that one. That's that that one. one. And yeah, and, and it has all the Triumph and Agony songs on it, but not in the same sequence because you can't start with All We Are. On the original, we started out with All We Are, and that was our biggest anthem. So you couldn't start the show with All We Are. It's like you can't go anywhere, you know, from, from there. there. So yeah. it's uh, starting with Touch of Evil, and it's kind of mystical. And then, you know, it's like, you know, it's pretty pretty cool and then all we are is the last take and you sing and, and you can you know hear everybody singing along and you know it's uh, i think it's great and there's a, a blu-ray as well oh, nice. you can see the live uh, concert yeah. yeah and i think it's awesome and a documentary about the whole making of triumph and agony and bootleg videos i put everything in everything what i think is interesting for the oh, diehard really cool. yeah well, um, it sounds like that you've got some live dates lined up. Are you sort of touring later this month and then on into the holiday? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, oh, I never. Yeah, holiday doesn't that doesn't matter to me. But uh, yeah, we go to England. Uh, we headline festival in Sheffield, uh, rocking the ball, and then we do a couple of gigs in Austria. And then we hop on tour with Michael Schenker in England. And then we do a whole European tour in November. But I tell you, it's all like, we don't know if it will happen yeah. because numbers are going up and oh my God. And then, uh, and I just, um, yeah, the England thing is my last open air. I did many, many open air festivals and stuff now, but uh, indoors, it's a different story. So, so we'll see, but yeah. I'm hoping for the best. It would be France and Poland and Germany and Belgium and everything, but some of the clubs I know they have no air conditioning, you know, no oxygen. So I don't know. And um, yeah, we're thinking about we're talking to each promoter, and yeah, but it's all lined up. And actually, and our last tour we postponed, uh, you know, to, to do this year, and then next year we will do stuff. But we had 
planned like one and a half years ago. So we don't know. But America is definitely, you know, like uh, next year we will, okay, you good. know, come back and, and hopefully do all the great festivals. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. When I went to America in 87, ever since, you know, I, I love America. And I'm a proud green card holder. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one day I would like to become a citizen and, yeah, so touring America is always like, oh man, you, um, I'm in heaven. When you guys do the the American legs of the tour, do you? This is a selfish question, but do you come through Seattle at, at all? Uh, I, I, yeah, it was a while ago. I think four years ago we we played in Seattle, and on our last tour, it was two o nineteen. We didn't go to Seattle, but it was our uh, tour with Metal Church. And, and, you know, and I'm, I'm so sad that Mike Howe is not anymore with us because yeah. he was such a great guy. And it was such an awesome tour. It was great. All the fans who, you know, came to see the shows, I think they would agree. It was a great package. It was a great show. And, and yeah, towards the end of the tour, Mike and me, we were always singing together. Like, usually it was breaking the law because oh, nice. we both love, you know, priests. And yeah, but I'm, I'm so sad. I, I couldn't believe it when, when I heard that, yeah, that he's not anymore with us. He was so sweet. But I think sometimes the really sweet, sensitive people, man, they are like this, you know, it, it's tough times. I, you know, yeah. and, you know, Definitely and I, I don't know exactly the background, but, but I'm super sad. And yeah, he was yeah. awesome. Man. Well, when you start to talk to American promoters, put, put um, just make a vote for Seattle because <laughs> yes, I, I would love yes. to see you come through through town and and get a chance to yeah. see you live. Yeah, um, yeah, we played great clubs in Seattle. I remember that there were great people there. There were many. Uh, Native American people there, like you know, and yeah, and I, I. I forgot, you know, their names, but I know exactly how they looked and yeah, yeah. cool people. And I, I hope they are, they will watch, you know, this interview. And yeah, but yeah, definitely we want to come to Seattle, of course. Maybe a package tour or a club tour, you know, on our own. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll watch for that. Here's my here's my last question, Doro. It's um, I ask all of my my in all of my conversations, I ask this, and it is. Uh, clearly your focus and your passion is music, but is there yeah. some mount, I call it a mountain you want to climb something you want to do in your life that will wait till you have the time. It could be creative. It could be even music of a different sort, or it could be completely non-creative, but is there something, you know, you want to do and try and achieve, you know, when the, when time permits is there anything like that in the back of your head? Oh, <laughs> Peter, that's a short answer. No, <laughs> I, not really, not really. I love, like, you know, I um, I would love, you know, when time would go back to normal, that would be awesome. I know that will probably not happen, but uh, yeah, I, I'm just a happy baby when I can, you know, record a song, write a song, you know, go in front of people and really, you know, rock my heart out and, you know, and like, you know, give them something they, you know, they can, you know, they can feel and, you know, so, and um, I I love animals. I'm, I'm a big, big, like, you know, like, yeah, I love animals. I, that's the only thing I miss. Like, you know, like um, I was growing up with dogs and horses and, 
two times in my life I had two parrots. Oh man, I love them so much. And um, so I would like to do something with animals. And uh, on the next record, I want to, actually there's a song in the making like for a new album and it's called Heavenly Creatures. That's the work title. And that's a song for the animals. And, you know, and I'm always connected worldwide with people who are taking care of animals or, you know, um, trying to get them out of really bad situations and stuff. So, yeah. so yeah, that's like, yeah, I love people and I love animals so much. So, so yeah, doing, you know, doing more stuff, but, um, but one time, I told one promoter in Florida, I told him that I'm really missing like not having a dog or having an animal. And the promoter, he was pretty cool. And he said, ah, okay. So next day we were playing in LA and, um, and then, you know, the receptionist said, uh, somebody uh, sent you something. And I said, okay. And the promoter from, from Florida, he sent out a cat, a beautiful cat. And I thought, oh, wow. So I immediately fell in love with this cat. And there was a little name tag, you know, baby. And I thought, oh, so I love that cat. And then, of course, it peed in every bunk in the tour bus. So the road crew and the band, you know, they were crazy. And my manager said, hey, you know, you got to send the cat back. And I said, no, no, it's my cat. You know, I love it. You know, it was instant love. And, you know, and then I went on stage and you know, after the gig, the cat was gone. So the manager sent it back to the promoter and I was heartbroken. I didn't talk to that manager guy for weeks, but, you know, but it was actually the last time that I had like, you know, like that yeah. uh, for a couple of days, but I understand it's like, you know, it's, it's not good for, for the animal either. And yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, but I was selfish for two days and I let it sit in the tour bus and, you know, and it was, you know, this illusion it would be great on tour, but it's, it's not. And, yeah. It's cool to hear your soft spot for, for animals. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's really, really cool. Very soft, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <Dorothy laughs> you've been uh, so generous with your time. I want to thank you for coming on and, and uh, having this conversation. Um, I think we're all just really uh, happy that you do what you do with such energy Um and, and, you know, at such a high level for so long, it's really, um, it's inspiring. And so I want to thank you for this time. And thank you so much for being so kind to me and yeah, and for having me on your show. It was great. And I enjoyed it big time. And yeah, and I felt I could be myself, you know, like it or not. But, you know, <laughs> that was a nice thing, you know, I felt different from, from other interviews so it was i i had a lot of fun and yeah thank you well um we will um include some links so people can get to your your website and your schedules and your merchandise um and we'll be watching for uh for for the american tours of course everybody will get to see this around the world but um we do have a lot of followers in the states so we'll look forward to yes. at some point some promoters bringing you over here to do some shows yeah, yeah, hopefully all the great festivals. I love playing yeah. festivals, like, and yeah, yeah, definitely next year. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe with even a new record and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be exciting. <laughs> really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. If this tour is not happening in the fall now, then I go right back into the studio and work some more on the new album. If we do a tour, then, then yeah, I guess 
fall of next year we can expect a new album but uh, yeah we'll see we'll see I'm flexible, you know, whatever yeah. will happen, it will be good. And yeah. yeah, but see you very soon. And yeah, I love the States, every single city. And I was living in New York City for yeah, 25 years. And and then and then there were two hurricanes and oh my uh, God. Yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I tell you, yeah, all kinds of things happen. And yeah, now I have a little place in New York and I have a little place in Florida. And of course, there are hurricanes as well. <laughs> I yeah. know. But uh, but I, I moved to Long Island from Manhattan. I thought, ah, oh, it's safer there. And, you know, and, and then I got my apartment totaled two times. Like the whole, it was a little house and I loved it. But right on the beach, it was great. But, you know, then I lost everything. Like, oh, my gosh. And, yeah, and my record collection. Oh, that no. was the worst. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, everything else I didn't care, but you know, photos and you know, records and letters and like you know, I had so many photos and letters, for example, Ronnie James Dio, he wrote me a nice, you know, couple of letters and like oh, wow. while we were on tour together and I thought, oh, you know, and that that's all somewhere in the ocean and you know, maybe wow. somebody found it, but yeah. But I know now how it is when you lose everything and you start all over again. So yeah. So yeah, but uh, it's okay. It's okay. You know, as long as you're healthy, you know, everything is okay. You know. That's right. Yeah, you'll get more. You'll uh, get more things. Uh, I, I mean, it's a good thing you're not maybe in New York right now. They've just had a hurricane. I heard that. Uh, yeah, Ida, right, yeah. or another one. Yeah, that, yeah. I think yeah. that's the one that's been ravaging New York. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, all my guys, they're from New York, and now they're here in Germany. They're all happy. It's like, yeah, man, yeah, it's terrible, man. Yeah, the whole world, it's like, wow, it's dangerous. Even to tour, you know, sometimes, you know, we go somewhere, and then it's like, wow, you know, you're happy when you survive a gig. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes we did open air uh, shows, and then, you know, it was like close to a tornado and stuff. And oh my God, it's like, yeah, in the 80s, 90s, I don't remember that. Uh, everything was always pretty smooth. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's you gotta, really, really interesting <laughs> to see out. Uh, how the live touring industry changes in the, in the yeah. wake of COVID. Because I know I've got, I, there's some tours going to start coming through Seattle and I, I purchased my tickets and then I've started to get um, the emails saying that they require proof of vaccination. And um, I'm not, I'm not an overly political person, but I, I know that people have different opinions about that. And so I, I just don't know how that's going to affect tour audiences. So yeah. it's just a, yeah. you just don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell you what, you know, like, I know so many people who died, like, you know, like close, like friends or musicians. So, you know, it's that, that stuff is dangerous. Like some people said, oh, that's nothing. Oh, man, I tell you, you know, I, I know many people who didn't survive it. And, you yeah. know, and when we tour in the tour bus, uh, like always 20 people, like, oh, my God. You know, and, and the beats and greets and, you know, and the hugging and kissing and, you know, that's like, yeah, like, yeah. And, yeah. You have to think about all yeah. that stuff now. Um, you yeah. Know. yeah. 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 Uh, hopefully it will be, it will be good next year. And yeah. yeah. But I tell you, like, like these concerts with like social distancing, oh man, it's like, oh, that's hard work. It's hard work. And yeah. yeah. 
But yeah. but I still I, I I love doing it. It's anything is better than doing nothing and and yeah. So yeah. So I give it my all and I, you know, I try to make up little things which would compensate the distance. So you know that yeah. people still feel like you know right there and yeah you know. Well, I I have no doubt that whatever tour you bring will be great. I, I suspect by the time you get back to my neck of the woods things will be relatively normal again. Cause I know part of the concert experience is getting to rub shoulders with your fellow metalheads. That's, you know, absolutely. You know, yeah. Like sweating and hugging and, you know, and like, yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. That, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, yeah. Let's hope for the best. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. All right. Well, Daryl, I'm going to play the outro. If you'll just stick on the line one second so I can say a personal mm -hmm. goodbye. Um, we'll okay. we'll sort of um, sign off to this episode with a lot of gratitude for um, your graciousness. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Oh, man. All right. Take good so care. Sweet. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.